Guys, foreplay starts in the kitchen. Now, we're not talking about walking up behind your wife or your girlfriend and kissing her on the neck. We're talking about wowing and wooing her with your ability to make an unbelievable meal that will make her mouth water and make her weak in the knees. Today, I'm joined by the most interesting man that I know, and we are going to talk about the sensual experience of making food that will make your wife weak in the knees and make your girlfriend go gasp when she takes her first bite. Now, these are things I wish I knew 20, 30 years ago. We're going to discuss why making food and eating a meal together is both an intimate and a sensual experience that you need to learn how to craft as an evolved man. Why are you missing out on greater intimacy by taking a lazy approach to your food and what the overall sensory experience in life is and how you can get strong and lean by improving your seduction game. You'll learn ways to create a meal that makes her mouth water, plate food that leans into the idea that we eat with our eyes first, and makes practical use of the idea of dinner and a show. You'll learn how flavor starts with scent and how to build anticipation through your preparation. All that and more on The Evolved Man. Welcome to The Evolved Man, where we are at war with the mediocrity of modern man. The Evolved Man is for men like you who are willing to be open, vulnerable, and aggressive learners. Men who are not afraid to disrupt and change. It's time we ditch the current conventional idea that we devolve with age, that the dad bod is our destiny, and that the glory days are behind us. Your best isn't behind you, and I'm here to provide you with practical tools, a few tips and tricks, and everyday wisdom to help you evolve into your highest form. Strong, lean, smart, educated, and emotionally intelligent. Now, let's go to war. And yeah, welcome back to the Evolved Man Podcast, where we are at war with the mediocrity of modern man. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, the Med One Capital Group, for sponsoring the Evolved Man Podcast. We appreciate all the support. The Med One Group exists for the sole purpose of making needed medical equipment available to the healthcare industry. You can find more information at themedonegroup.com. And for our local Utah listeners, we have a special deal for you through the month of September. We've partnered with our friends at Nautical Bulls in Sandy, Utah, and they are doing a promo for our Evolved Man listeners. If you go into the Sandy location on 21st and 94th South in the Smith's parking lot, you can use the code EvolveBOGO for a buy one, get one acai bowl. Thanks, Linnea and Noah, for giving our amazing listeners this great gift. And joining me today is the... Most interesting man that I know, W. Miles Riley. You're here. Thanks, Steve. It's good to be here. We are going to have fun today with this topic. It's going to be a great one. You know, in the past, we've had guests on. We've bantered back and forth. But, uh, you know, we're we're going to jump right in and uh, lean into this idea that we've been telling ourselves for quite a while. That the best podcast episodes happen when it's just you and me talking, when we're on the radio, <laughs> or excuse me, we're on the phone, we're not on the podcast, we're not on the radio, we're just chatting on the phone, and we are pontificating about all 
the areas of life that we love to talk about. And those are the best podcast episodes that uh, we believe we have. So while we're not on the phone today, and we might have a couple of listeners joining in to listen to us, uh, we're going to have one of those podcast episodes. So let's jump in with some interesting research on the topic that we're covering today. I've, I found some really fascinating stats coming from an article called The Science of Attraction, uh, an analysis of over 3.7 million dating profiles performed by Zusk found that both men and women are more likely to message potential partners if the other person's profile mentioned food. Food and health appear more than any other interest in dating profiles. It's a passion for cooking implies a passion for food as well. And given those who list it as a two-for-one hobby in terms of attraction in the interest of dating prospects. So according to Helen Fisher's classic piece in Psychology Today, the reason is innate, not cultural, she says. Around the world, men have given women presents prior to lovemaking, Fisher says. A fish, a piece of meat, sweets, and beer are among the delicacies that have invented or that men have invented as offerings. Other species do this as well. Many creatures give their partners food as a way of demonstrating their worth as providers. For humans, sharing food is linked to perceptions of attractiveness and intimacy. In a 2013 study published in the Journal of Human Nature, T.R. Alley and colleagues showed that videos of couples dining in a group uh, to university students. Afterward, the researchers asked the participants to rate the mutual attraction and intimacy of each couple. The students found that couples that were dining together were more attracted and more intimate when they fed one another or they shared food with one another. Sharing food, the article continues, is also tightly linked to our earliest and most deeply ingrained feelings about safety, security, and emotional regulation. Myrtle Hamburg, Katrin Finhauer, and Carlo Schnaugo note in a 2014 study, and this study is linked to the act of food offering and emotional regulation. Human attraction appears to be based on a wide variety of sensory inputs, the authors continue, but sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch all play a role. According to Sarah Chodster at Popular Science, the reason may be that weighing information on multiple sensory channels allows the brain to make more informed decisions about whether someone is a good potential mate. So Miles, like we said, we've, uh, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, you and I have the best podcast when we're not talking to anybody else, uh, where we're just able to riff play off of each other and go back and forth. I think some fascinating research to kick us off. Um, because we're diving like into that. a topic that we're both passionate about and that's making beautiful food, but not just making beautiful food. It's how is it that you can create a meal for your wife, for your girlfriend, for your significant other? How can you create an experience that draws them in? So you forgot something. This is really critical. Did, okay. you, you forgot something. Forget? You said you could create a meal for your wife, friend, all of that, but you didn't say your self and that's okay. where it starts fair enough. fair enough because if it becomes a habit of you cooking beautiful 
foods and making beautiful dishes for yourself, it becomes a reflex and not something you're doing because somebody is coming over. But there's better practice. And this is something that you do with your Instagram. You show this. If any of our listeners are not following Miles' Instagram and you want to get some amazing food porn, you need to go to, I, I mean, you really should start a, uh, what, what do they call those pages? Only fans? You, you should be an only food fan where people can pay to see what your plating looks like. Uh, it's it's beautiful. And you often are just doing this cooking for yourself or you're cooking for you and your son, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I, great point. I, I, I couldn't agree more. You've got to create beautiful food for yourself. In fact, right before this episode, I just finished up a plate of eggs and I am addicted to making eggs in the way that Gordon Ramsay teaches the very light, light and creamy yeah, and yeah, you know with the butter yeah. and the creme fraiche. And I had some clients recently give me a big box of fresh tomatoes from their garden. And so oh. I sliced up a few of these tomatoes and I just laid them out on the plate and I played, I, I should have taken a picture and sent it to you. I make food like that for myself on a regular basis, like you do. Right. And there's a, I don't even know how to describe it, but there's a beautiful process that you go through and a beautiful feeling that you have once you've made this amazing food for yourself and you look at it and say, that's for me. I created that self or I created that for myself. You feel a sense of pride, a sense of yeah. uh, self-worth. Like you are worthy of something because you did this for yourself. So couldn't agree. And you more. also get into flow, flow. You really do. Uh, a perfect example is the other day, I made a Caesar salad with wings. Okay. And I, I played it in a particular way. And, and I liked what I did, but something was was bugging me, something. And so I literally scraped, took the wings off the plate, scraped the 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 um Caesar off. And I started to think about what I had done. And what it was is I didn't like the geometrical shape of it. Nice. So now some of the wings had a little bit of the Caesar salad on it. And if I was going to transfer it for it to another plate and change the shape, I had to get my little cooking tweezers and pluck off the lettuce that had stuck to the wings. Now we're and, talking detail. Right. And it, it hit yeah. me when I was when I was doing it. It hit me. It took a second because it brought me out of it. But I was in the middle of flow as I was taking the leaf, the, the the lettuce off the wings so that I could replate them on another plate, give it another geometrical shape, and then put the, the, the Caesar salad back on. And for brief moments, I was gone. As I you leaned over yourself. the plate with the tweezers yeah. and I was plucking it. And it happens often. It happens often. Sometimes when I'm cooking, right in the middle of cooking, I start to consider color. I normally consider color early on, but there've been moments where I'm just kind of hungry and I'm throwing some things together. But right in the middle of that process, I start thinking, I need color. What colors do I want? What colors am I feeling? And then that starts the whole process of thinking what else to put on the plate. And again, I enter into flow when I start thinking about things like color. Dr. Mihai Chick said Mihai, uh, the father of flow. If our listeners yeah. have not read his seminal work of flow, uh, and then a follow-up work on creativity, 
both phenomenal books. I would highly recommend if you have not read them that you need to read them and study them. The, the process of getting into flow is something that, as you were just describing, you get into this state where you're so focused, you're so challenged with this idea of moving things around on the plate and creating beauty that you get lost. Time and space disappear and you're lost in the moment. It's an extremely rewarding uh, um, activity, whatever your activity is. But when you're in the state of flow, it's an extremely rewarding activity in and of itself. There is no end goal. There is nothing. There is just that pure moment. And I, I believe that Dr. Csikszentmihalyi um, is referencing oftentimes what Eckhart Tolle talked about when he talks about the power of now, being very present in the being now. Being present, yeah. Right? When you're present in the moment, you are able to create this beautiful sensory experience that envelops you, that engulfs you. And that's part of what we're tr talking about today with as evolved men, how do you practice that? How do you get into a present state? I mean, guys, think about this. I mean, I want to ask a few questions to our listeners out there. First, pause for just a second and ask yourself the question, has your wife or your girlfriend ever told you that you are not present, that you are somewhere else, that there she is upset with you because you're still at the office mentally, or you're thinking about something that you have to do in the future? Also, pause for a second and ask yourself these questions. Let's say that you are your wife. You are your girlfriend. Would you want to date you in your current state? Would you get excited about the idea of being around you? If you were your wife or your girlfriend, what is it about your skills, about your game, about whatever it is that you're bringing to the, to the table that creates layers of engagement, layers of intrigue, making her want more of you? I want to add to that. I want to add yeah. to that, which is really important because we asked how many times has your wife, girlfriend, partner asked or said to you that you're not present. But at the same time, you also have recognized when your partner has not been present. Yeah, for when sure. You have done everything to be present and they are not responding to your presence because they are not present. And they're not intrigued by you. Also, do you want a more intimate relationship with your wife or your girlfriend. And finally, do you want more connection, more desire, and more passion in your relationship? Now, I understand that there are some people out there, Miles, that are going to say, I don't care. I don't care about more desire, passion. I'm at a certain point in life. I like sitting back and popping open a can of sardines or popping some uh, little glizzies into my mouth and watching the football game. And I don't care what my wife thinks. And uh, anybody that thinks that, is probably not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> they are not an evolved man and they will move on because as Gail Green said, great food is like great sex. The more you have of it, the more you want. <laughs> so Miles, I think we agree. The evolved man is a man who has skills. He takes charge of his life. He doesn't whine, he doesn't complain. He's a man that has built a, built a repertoire, a game that has layer by layer and he has skills that not only pay the bills, as the Beastie Boys say, but he has skills that allow him to seduce and entice his wife, his girlfriend, by pulling them in through the art of seduction via this beautiful mill. So are we ready to dive in? Yeah, let's take this plunge and see what we unpack. 
let's talk first about some of the obstacles that men run into. Now, when we think about obstacles in life, there's internal struggles, there's external struggles, there's philosophical struggles. The struggles that I see most men having, especially when it comes to their relationship, is there's no real intimacy. And I'm not even just talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about intimacy of the heart, physical touch, physical connection, physical intimacy that is non-sexual. Sexual intimacy is important, but non-sexual physical intimacy is just important. I think that men are also struggling with that idea of how do I connect? I think that they have a really difficult time connecting with their spouse. They're not able to just be present, be in the moment, and take in all that is their spouse or their girlfriend. I think a lot of men wish they had more sex, more intimacy uh, in a sexual nature in their relationship. And frankly, they're finding that as they get to a certain age, they might not be as interesting as they thought they were. Well, this is a, I mean, one, we, we, we have to be able to frame this in its proper perspective. Um, we can't make it sound like men are regressing. We have to think of where men have come from traditionally in America and maybe all over the world. Um, you think about in, in the 50s and 40s and going back where men were supposed to be stoic and quiet. What, what's the, there's a great phrase. Um, Did you say stoic? I like that. That's not stoic. Not, stoic. Right. Stoic. Stoic. And hold sounded very on German. to your emotion. Yeah. 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 Hold on to your emotion. Hold on to your feelings. We've only started after the 60s and 70s and 80s to almost ask men, women have been asking men to be more emotionally present. Right, right. To reveal yourself. So, you know, in 100 years from now, we might have, you know, the type of man that we're talking about now, this evolved character but he's coming out of something, not regressing back from something. Yeah. And I think I, that's important to understand. It's an interesting perspective, isn't it? I, I wouldn't disagree with that, I, especially in America. However, I would say in other parts of the world, it's a different story. You know, the term gentleman uh, is used in uh, all English language, right? But what that means in different countries is different. Uh, the term gentleman literally meant back in the day, a gentle man, someone who was gentle, someone who was kind, someone who was courteous, someone who would pay attention to others, uh, show love, compassion, and empathy. That didn't mean that that person was not all of the other masculine characters uh, right. or characteristics, but they were a true gentle man. And so I think that I, I would agree that the pendulum has swung. And one of the things that you and I have talked about since day one, when I called you up and I said, hey, I've got this concept. It's called Evolve. It's going to be a business. It's going to be a podcast. It's all about helping people to evolve into their highest self. One of the things we talked about at the very beginning is that I believe that there is a more evolved way. And that doesn't mean that we are turning a podcast and a business into another chest thumping, savage barbarian type of conversation. <laughs> I mean, I just read the news today and the top two headlines I saw was number one, the new iPhone pro 15 pro is out. And number two, liver King is getting sued. 
Well, why is Liver King getting sued? Because he went out there, put his body out there, and he implied that if you buy my products and you eat meat and you shove liver in your face and you go get sun, you do all these things and you can look like me. Well, then it came out that this guy, uh, like many of us in the industry knew just by looking at him, that he was on massive amounts of steroids, up to $11,000 worth of steroids every single month in order to look like he did. In fact, somebody asked me the other day, they said, what do you think of Liver King? This is before I read this article today where he's getting sued massive amounts of money. I said, he's a pretty funny guy, honestly. He's a good entertainer, and it's unfortunate that he puts a message out there that is so loud and obnoxious, and people think that like that's a normal thing to do. No, it's not normal. You, guys don't need to be tearing their shirts off and running around and acting like savage barbarians um, in order to be a real man. That's ridiculous. The evolved man is all about being nuanced in life. And when you need to be tough and strong, then you're tough and strong. When you need to be gentle and a gentle man in life, then you yeah. are that way as well. We are not yeah. one-dimensional creatures. And that's the whole concept, especially behind today's episode, is take stock of your life from time to time. If the love life, if the intimacy, if the connection is not there, don't look at your spouse and say it's her fault. Don't look at your girlfriend and say it's her fault. Look at yourself and take some personal accountability. Ask yourself the questions. And say, so, okay, if I have a gap, if I'm missing something in life, what is it that I can do to make improvements? And I'll tell you right now, if you want more intimacy, if you want more connection, the last thing you should be doing is tearing your shirt off and shoving raw liver into your face and pounding your chest and running around. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Miles, I want to ask you a question. I had a conversation with a client today and he made this statement and I've heard this several times over the past 25 or so years that I've been in the health and fitness industry. He said, I started to get fat when I moved to America. That's like mm. one of the most common things I've heard from other people when they can't come to the States. And I I've, thought I've heard that too. Yeah. That that's, that seems to be the number one thing we're famous for is getting fat, poor eating, low movement, fast food, convenient this, convenient that we become so far removed from real food, from beautiful, sensual experiences. And we're just fat, dumb and numb. Well, you know what I hear a lot. I, this is the phrase I hear a lot. And I have a lot of friends who say this. I don't have time. Yeah. I, I hear that all the time. And then, and then if I really listen, when I hear this phrase, I ask, so what is your day like? And when yeah. they start to think about their day and break down their day, they do have time. Of you know, course if, you've spent, if you've spent three hours watching football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and you spend the other time sitting in a bar or, you know, you it, it takes, you know, some of the meals that I cook take literally 30 minutes. Well, it's it's amazing to me. One one day I walked into uh, work. This is some time ago. And I popped open my uh, little food container. Somebody walked by and said, what is that? That smells amazing. I said, that's my breakfast. And he came over and put his nose in my food. He said, that is amazing. You eat steak and eggs every day. I said, just about every day. Yeah. How do you have the time to prep it? Right. So what are you talking right. about? I mean, look at the steak. It's a beautiful, it's, it, it's slightly above rare. It's rare plus maybe, um, 
some days if I'm a little bit busy. Which means it took less time. It took less time than if it's medium well. So that's right. less and time. So to if get... it's, in some days it, it was medium because it uh, I got distracted with some other things. But the reality is my breakfast takes me about 12 to 15 minutes in the morning to prepare. Steak and eggs. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I'll throw in some other things here and there. I love yeah. putting yogurts and berries. Like there's there's a variety of things that I'll rotate between depending on the season. Come on, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. And this guy, I said, here, take a couple of bites. So he takes a couple of bites. His eyes go big. He's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I said, how about I do this? When I come tomorrow, I'm going to make two of these. I'll make you one. I'll make me one. No, you don't have to do that. I, I made him one. He brought, not only did he come back to my, uh, to my office and bring me the container afterwards, but it was perfectly wrapped up, wiped down, cleaned out. And he just, he bowed. He said, I can't believe, I thank you. That was the best thing that I've ever had. I can't believe that I ate this today. And I can't believe you eat like that. I said, look, man, as an evolved man, I believe we should be eating like kings. I believe that we should be cooking food for our spouse or our girlfriend like they are a queen. Now, I, I just, I, I want to go back into what you talked about, the time aspect. Time is the easiest excuse that everybody has for the reason why they can't eat well, why they can't read a book, why they can't get off their fat ass to go start working out and get in shape. It's the reason why we have bad relationships, bad parents, bad everything. It's because we make the excuse of time. We're not present. We're not focused. We're not getting in and doing the things that it takes to create an experience around the things in life that are most important. I mean, how many times have you sat and had a great meal with someone else? And later on, you just think, man, that's, that, that, that's a memory right there. That's something I'm going to constantly come back to. Well, pretty, uh, pretty often. I mean, you know, one, if, you know, if you pick your people, like you pick your food, you know, when the food is done and it's beautiful and it tastes good, you're gonna have the same reaction with the person across from you. It could be intimate. Yeah. It could be just a good friend, right? Right. It's a good friend, and if you pick your food like you pick your people, you know you're gonna come out on top. And that's really all there is to it. I mean, you and I, um, when we had the book club in in Utah, we, we had great food. We had great, great food. food yeah. But we had great company. Right. Right. And it's 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 almost as if you kind of know who not to invite. Yeah. The intimate circle yeah. of your dining. And we said no to a lot of people. Yeah. When when people no found out what we're doing, we said no to a lot of people. No, no. And and there was and and I I I, I couldn't agree more. So having a great meal and having great people around is key. That's where connections are made. I think about some of the best experiences in my life, and it's always around a meal. That's where the funniest stories are told. That's where the dumbest jokes are told. That's where we laugh, we connect. There, there, there's this strong intimacy when it comes to creating a great meal. In fact, yeah. meals have been the foundation for families for as long as recorded history. Tribes would get together after a hunt and they would roast the, the, the kill and they would share that together. At harvest, we, we would get together and share the cornucopia of food that we had harvested. I mean, that's the whole concept behind Thanksgiving is that we're sharing food together. 
And so food becomes this very intimate experience. You're coming into another person's place where they sit and they ingest something that ideally has multiple sensory inputs. And we share that moment together. And there's one moment where I'm taking a bite, you're taking a bite, and we're, we're connecting with that particular food in a way that it's really difficult to connect with the same thing in other areas, right? Because we're, we're experiencing the flavor, we're experiencing the scent, we're experiencing the moment together. And if, if we're both present, we have this opportunity to connect mind to mind, heart to heart, soul to soul. It's so critical. But guys say they don't have time. What I really believe that it is, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is they don't have skill. They don't know how to craft something, do it well, and do it repeatedly. And so time just becomes a lazy excuse. What do you think? I don't want to overly be critical of people with saying that they're lazy, they're fat. I don't want to do that because I keep thinking again, and you know how I think about this is as an evolving person, you, you're evolving from something and you have to learn these things. Right. So I don't want to be too heavy handed of criticizing a guy that doesn't know how to do this, who hasn't been made aware of how to do this. You know, I look at, I look at my son and, you know, Tiago has been cooking since he was five years old. I was looking at a video the other day and, and, and he was, he was at uh, six years old and he's at the stove. The stove was almost taller than him. And he's turning over some hamburger. And I, you know, I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm cooking. And I said, what are you making? And he said, sloppy Joe's. Nice. So, you know, he's been in the kitchen with me. He's 15 now, but he's been in the kitchen with me and he knows, he knows how to cook. I've seen pictures of him with a chef's hat on Yeah, as a little kid. Right. If you it it took me a long, long time. Uh, when you you know traditionally, let's think of us coming from households where we had mothers and fathers who cooked for us. Yep. And if the father, if the father or the mother never drew you in, you got used to somebody cooking for you. Um, my mother cooking was a utilitarian thing. You know, I mean, she was a good cook. She was a great cook, but she would make regular foods. And twice a month, my father would go into the kitchen and it was like an art. Mm. Ooh, dad's yeah. cooking. Yeah. And he yeah. made these field chops and he would just cook. And he took his, it was almost as if it was a vacation for him to go into the kitchen and cook because he took his time. He was meticulous about what he would make. And he also made a lot of breakfast. He, he had these great pancakes that he would make. And you stand there looking at your dad or your mom and, and you just, I want to do that because yeah. it looked like he was having a great time. But as I got older, I'd stopped get used to the mother part of cooking for me. And it, interestingly enough, it hit in Utah mm. when I got divorced and they left Utah. And I said to myself, I am not going to be one of those guys who's divorced, who goes to the restaurant all the time or is in the supermarket getting cans and pre-cooked meals. I said, I'm not going to do that. I've always had a love of cooking. It's going to start now. And it started the cooking in Utah. So again, that's why I said, I don't, I don't want to hit guys over the head and say, look, you're lazy. And I'd rather coax, say, this is the, this is what's possible. You can do this. 
take a look at this. Let's take a look at your time, all right? Let's see if we can find a, an hour in the evening for you to sit down, chop some vegetables. You know, when we, we remember we we um on our podcast we had Chef Jim Barnhart. Right, right. We had him distill cooking down to a couple of things, and he said salt and heat. Yep. And then I talked to him recently, and he said salt and fat. And if you can salt get people and fat. To play with salt and fat, how to yep. salt something and how to use fat to produce more flavor. Yeah. Because fat has three components to it. It could be used as a seasoning. It could be used as a main ingredient and a main ingredient, and it can be used as a cooking medium. And so if you know how to play with fat in those guises and how to salt food, you are on your way. And if you start to teach guys, it doesn't take that much time. So that's why I said, I don't want to beat them over the head with it. It's like, yeah, but, no, you know, I get, I hear you. And, and you don't have to, but I'm going to, because I, <laughs> So the reality is, I think we all have to be honest with ourselves. You made a conscious choice, right? When you got divorced, you said, hey, I'm making a conscious choice. I am not going to be that guy. Well, but I had a reference. Yeah, That's you did. the trick. Okay. So, the, but a lot of guys out there have resigned themselves to being fat, numb, and dumb. And I was in that state. There was a period of time where I was fat, numb, and dumb. I had way too much body fat. I had numbed myself uh, to much of, of life's experiences. And I was just, I was dumb because I wasn't pushing myself in the, at the level that I knew that I could. And so I've been there. So I can call that out for other guys and say, look, you're fat and I'm dumb and you got to make a choice. Just like you made a conscious choice not to go down that direction. Anyone listening to this could make a conscious choice to say, okay, no more fat and I'm dumb. What do I have uh, historically, what are the resources that are around? I mean, I referenced the iPhone coming out today. Um, the, the phones that we have today are fascinatingly powerful. And the reason really? I bring that up yeah. is in your pocket, you have a resource, not only to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcasting app, but then you can move to another app when you finish and say, Oh, I want to order this. I want to get that. You can get all the, the cooking supplies, utensils that you need. You can go on and click onto YouTube and see an amazing video within like five minutes of how right. to cook something beautiful. And then right. you can go to the store and check out with your phone. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The technology that we have is phenomenal to get us to the point where we can make changes so quickly. And so that's why sometimes we just have to wake up and say, wait a minute, I'm fat and I'm dumb and I'm making excuses. I'm going to make it shift. I've got the thing in my pocket that is the tool to get me to the next step because the Amazon Prime is, has Amazon Prime has a great commercial. It's so good. I don't even know what the fucking commercial is about. I think it's about Amazon Prime, but there's these two guys they work as, I don't know, some type of civil service workers. Oh, yeah, like and a security guy, guard, I think, is the one. Right, security yeah, guard. Yeah. And yeah. the guy makes a sandwich, and then he orders more supplies and things. From, yeah. It's and the next thing you know, he's right. right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's well, a great because, commercial. Because what he did there and what they showed in that commercial is the is what the internal struggle is that guys listening to this podcast are feeling. They feel inept. They don't know what is going on wife, girlfriend's last interest. They're, 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 the relationship's not that fun anymore, right? They feel uncomfortable with that. They probably feel uncomfortable because they're overweight. They're looking for alternatives to feeling vibrant and alive. And a lot of them will just turn to a little blue pill to say, well, okay, I don't feel great. 
And so um, I'm having a hard time, you know, getting in the mood. And so I'm just going to turn to the little blue pill. That's going to be the source of, of solving my intimate problem. Or they look at other things in lieu of connection because they're struggling to find connection. They don't know how to create a moment of connection. So whether it's porn, overconsumption of social media, endless TV watching, or anything of the sort, they're, they're, they're just looking to escape. And there are listeners out there, there are men out there that this is what they're struggling with. And that commercial showed that the guy says, oh, but what if? What if I could do something different? What if I could change my life in a different way? And so he took one step and he ordered something and then he made the sandwich a little bit better. And then the next right. thing that he ordered and he made this and he's watching the videos and he's doing things. And then one day it's like he walks past a place that says, hey, we're hiring a chef. And then he goes in there and applies for the chef uh, job. Well, we literally live in a society with the tools and the resources to make a pivot and become more evolved like that. Now, here's the biggest challenge. One of the biggest things that I've run into when I'm coaching men is that technology has moved at lightning speed. In fact, if you ever read anything by uh, a guy by the name of Ray Kurzweil, you'll, you'll understand that the rate of increase in terms of the doubling of our technology, our speed, everything else, it, it's not slowing down. I mean, it is, it is getting to the point where we... We're moving at such a breakneck speed that we can't keep up. The challenge that men have is that technology is moving so fast, but our emotional intelligence, our ability to connect internally with who we are, what do we feel, what are we sensing, then regulate that emotion by saying, here's what my emotion is, or here's what I'm feeling, here's what my need is. Okay, now let me go achieve that need by making sure that I've got the right strategy. That emotional connection has been largely lost when I talk to men. They just sense something and either push it down or they go in a different direction and try and numb it. And so fat, dumb, and numb is not, not really a criticism as much as it is a classification of how we're living our lives because we are letting technology drive us forward rather than saying technology is now a tool to that will facilitate my evolution, will facilitate my growth. We got to change. We got to get deeper, but we've got to make a critical decision. We have to make a transformation to decide. Let me ask you a question. What was it that made you decide when you got divorced and you're sitting there? Why did you say, I'm not going to be that guy? It's a, it's a, it's a confluence of many things. Um, it, it, it had a lot to do. One, I had always admired anybody who could cook. I loved watching people in the kitchen. Um, at the time we didn't have the proliferation of cooking shows that inundate television now, Yeah, which, you know, it, it's just to me, phenomenal. Everything from, the silliness of cooking competitions to Iron Chef. Iron Chef. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the guy that sits there and gets egged on to eat everything. Um, dives, divas, dives. Oh, diners, dives, right. drive-ins. Yeah, and yeah. Drive-ins, right. yeah. So, you know, I, I had always been a fan of uh, men cooking. Always been a fan. 
And, and, and that pretty much was the, the main driver, the main driver of, you know, having a kitchen. Um, I had a moment, one with my ex-wife, Alicia, where uh, we were in New York and I wanted pesto and I bought a jar of pesto. Okay. And she said, she said, why would you buy pesto? Why don't you make it? And I literally looked at her like she was out of her mind. Make pesto? Who does that? Yeah, yeah. And she showed me the ingredients. We went home. She made the pesto. It took all of 10 minutes. And she made the best pesto I've ever had. And that's when you start to get a sense of, wait a minute. You know, there's some things I haven't investigated. You know, yeah. I've never really yeah. investigated food farmers markets, fresh vegetables. Um, you know, when, when I was a stand-up comic, I used to make a joke about, you know, get used to buying green meat. So the first time I bought meat that was pink, I argued with the guy and said, meat's supposed to be fucking green. Don't be selling me this <laughs> pink shit because meat is not pink. <laughs> nice. So but it they, was a conflict. <clears throat> but you referenced something that I think is important. I mean, we, because of the, the great... I, and. and Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not uh, against our society, and I'm not against technology. I love what technology can do for us. The fact that you are in Ohio, I'm in Utah right now, and we're sitting here having a conversation as two old friends. I, I love it. I love everything about it, and it has also made the connection between food and preparation and consumption so distant that we have forgotten what the whole sensory experience is about. I, I really kind of liken it to, there's a lot of studies out there that are talking about one of the reasons why men get so addicted to porn is because they just want the end result of the orgasm and they have a really difficult time understanding the entire uh, seductive aspect that it takes, the the give and take and the, and the interplay between uh, the man and the woman of like, I'm seducing you, you're into, into me, I'm into you. And so men, because it, that that's too hard and we're so used to just going to McDonald's to get our food and we're so used to, you know, tapping a button here to order that, that we're just looking for the end result really quickly. And so we're missing the middle part. We're missing the part where we have to work for something. So we're living in a, in a society where, as you referenced, making pesto is not that difficult. You just have to understand what are the ingredients and then you go get it and you make it. And you're like, Oh, that's what pesto is. It's not the stuff that's in the jar because most of what people eat are not food. They're food products. They're food products because they are made with food and then a bunch of other chemicals and other things that are, be, and then that thing becomes highly processed. Now, please don't get me wrong. All food is processed, right? When you eat a steak, it's processed. That means that the food, ha the, the, the cow has been killed. It has been butchered. It has been preserved. There is a processing to that food. However, that processing is significantly less than the processing of opening up a can and getting something like spam, right? Or going to McDonald's and ordering a burger. That has been more processed than the steak. So we've lost the connection between origin and then where it goes into this beautiful experience that then is consumption. And so I believe that in doing that, we've also lost the connection with the overall sensation and the, the how we can create this sensory experience. So Miles, when, when we talked before, 
about this well, before you go on because i want to unpack some things you said a lot and i want to unpack some things um one of the things and i want you to address this is <clears throat> asking the fundamental question is how would you date yourself yeah how would you create an intimacy with yourself because it often so oftentimes sounds like to me you can't be intimate with anybody else if you are not intimate with yourself. Right, right. If you are not highly self-aware of what's good about you, bad about you, flawed, yep, what you're yep. working on, what you're what you're what you're failing at, what you're successful at, all those things. I had a great conversation with a woman the other day in the library, and I was talking about when I go out for my walks at midnight. And when I walk around um, town at midnight, there's nobody out. And I have to get through the first 20 minutes of the paranoia and the dangers in my mind senses. Yep. yep. Right. Heightened sentences. Something's going to come out and grab me and put me in a truck and scoot off. That's like a real fear. Yeah. You know, and people following me. And once I get past all that mental garbage, there's a mental clarity. There's a mental clarity. So the garbage leaving is still an intimate relationship I have with myself the mental clarity I have a relationship with myself. And then to to do that walk and then to come home and start preparing food with an empty mind. Yeah. It's it's almost like I'm in this place of just pure creativity. That's a level of intimacy I have with myself. And I think oftentimes where we start talking about creating something for someone else, if we haven't done that to create it for ourselves, then creating for somebody else is just going to be this huge, it almost like, I got to do this. I want you to address that. And I'll tell you one quick example, and I'll I'll let you get to this. Um, A friend of mine who has a kid and, you know, the kid just started dating girls and the kid, this kid keeps his room horrible, but now he's got a girlfriend who comes over every once in a while and he has to go clean up his room. And I told the dad, I said, why don't you tell the kid to just keep his room clean so now he doesn't have to make the extra effort to clean it before the girl gets there? Because in that little um, paradigm creates resent. Yeah, yeah. You're doing it because you feel like you have to. I have to. I'm doing it because I'm I'm doing it to show off. Yeah, right. Right. But if, if you're doing it for you and it becomes your habit, then when she's coming over, she's just walking into your world of you keeping it neat. Yeah, I and love I, I love where you're going with this. I think that's a great microcosm yep. of the macrocosm that we're talking about with men. Yeah, because really, it's it, it's about discipline, right? Your 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 current body, your current life, your current skill set is a representation of the discipline that you had previously, and so there is something to be said for this idea of just how you do anything is how you'll do everything. Betty Edwards wrote a book, uh, I don't even know how long ago, called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. This was one of the first art books that I read, uh, probably 30 plus years ago, where she discusses how you get into this idea of drawing what you see rather than what you know. What most people do when they create is they create from what they know. So if you say, hey, draw a horse, they draw what they know which is a horse. If you say draw that horse, the ability to pause and see and understand that the nuanced 
angles that this particular horse, as it's standing right now with the lighting that's on it, are different than what you know as a horse. Right. So she talks about this idea of becoming a, a beautifully observational human being, someone who can observe the world for what it is. And one of the concepts that she taught that I started to apply uh, that made the biggest difference in not only my artistic pursuits, but life in general was the concept of dating yourself. So coming back to what you said, what would it be like to date you? How would you woo yourself? Now, the date yourself concept is that as a man, you pause and say, if I were to take myself out on a date, what would I want to do? And then you do that and you schedule it regularly. So I date myself regularly. There are times, in fact, I did it this morning. I finished up with a couple of clients. I knew I needed to get some things done. I wanted to make sure that I was in the right headspace for our conversation today. And so I went to my favorite coffee shop and I took myself out on a date. And I had only one expectation that was to enjoy the moment. I had my laptop with me. I had my iPad where uh, I type up notes for the podcast. And I thought, if things come to me, then I'll write it out. If not, I'm just here to get a great espresso, enjoy the energy, and have a moment to myself because I don't need a lot today. I just want something that makes me feel a little bit better. So it was great. I had a great time. I went in there. I uh, ended up writing a significant amount, not just with this podcast, but multiple episodes in the future because the break. And dating myself and having this creative moment, treating myself to my favorite place, treating myself to my favorite espresso at my favorite place with my favorite atmosphere while I'm wearing the clothes that I wanted to wear and sitting the way that I wanted to sit and driving the car that I wanted to drive to get there. Like this whole thing, it's all conscious and it's intentional, made me feel like a million bucks. And knowing that I can do that for myself also means that I know I can do that for other people. So when my wife and I go out, I know how to craft uh, a, a situation that will make her feel amazing because the ability to create a sensory experience that makes the other person feel completely enveloped and loved and creates the intimacy is a skill. It's an art form. And it is something you have to craft with yourself first. So I would say, Miles, to, to your question, I think that if we're going to lean in and we're going to train, we're going to um, challenge, I should say, our listeners to lean in, it's really start with one meal. Pick something that you know that you can do repeatedly because you practiced it and then make that for your spouse or your girlfriend. But you got to try it. You got to do something over and over again. You have to fail, and there's got to be some uh, some trial and error. But but the end result is that you're creating an experience that then your spouse or your girlfriend will look at you and say, "Wow, that was amazing!" And you have this connection. I was thinking about this this concept and uh, and an old statement that one of my uh, surprisingly one of my strongman competitors that I used to train said. He looked at the other guy that, that uh, was competing with him in Strongman and the movie, The Notebook, had just come out. And he looked at him, he said, yeah, you should go see that, but you got to see it with your wife. Um, and and I think, I'm not sure if I'm quoting him completely uh, accurately, but this he said something like this. He, he says, 
it'll make you feel closer to your wife. Not in the, let's just go have sex closer, but like the deep connection shit. <laughs> and I died laughing at that. Uh, he had to clarify that, but I bring that up because making a beautiful meal for your girlfriend, making a beautiful meal for your wife, and then sitting down and enjoying this together connects so many different aspects of what it means to be intimate with another person. You're sharing taste. You're sharing flavor. You're sharing scent. You're sharing conversation. All of the senses are brought into this particular moment. Now, you mentioned something the other day that I thought was really interesting because it's not just about building up to this moment of, I'm going to knock my wife's socks off with making her a beautiful meal the next time we have date night. But it's the preparation ahead of time. And you made a great point of what can men do to prepare? And for our listeners, I want you to, I want to make sure you stick to the end because we're not just telling you what we think you should do, but we're actually going to give you what works, what we recommend, what we have used to wow and woo people with food to the point where they're weak in the knees and they just want to sit back and eat more. And the intimacy is there. And I can tell you from experience after experience of making food for my wife, that those are some of the most intimate times that we spend together sitting, whether we're in our backyard or in our kitchen and sharing these moves, move, excuse me, sharing these meals together creates such a beautiful, intimate moment for us that it's some of the best things we are, we ever do. But Miles, you said, Hey, Steve, it's not about just about the meal. There are some things that guys should do before date night comes around. Some things that they need to think about. They got to think about, okay, maybe I could look at my girlfriend or my wife in a different way. Walk our listeners through that. Well, let's, let's go back to um, drawing on the right side of the brain. There were two tricks in the book that when I read that book really blew my mind. And I know you'll remember this. One of the first things she did is she took um, I think I know where a you're picture going. and she turned it upside, upside down. Upside down, yeah. Totally reframed how you had. Now you had to look at lines. Yeah, shapes. And, and, the, and the other Shade, one was. To, all of it. Right. The other one was to look at the lines in your hand. Remember that? Yep, yep. You had to draw your hand and draw the lines. So that's a total reframing of experience. Right. You know, I do this all the time when I go out walking. You know, I look at all these trees. And I said that with a, 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 a ulterior motive, trees. Because if you look at a tree, they all look alike because they're trees. But the minute you get really close and you start looking at the bark and you start looking at the shape of the leaves and you start looking at the branches, yep. all of a sudden a tree becomes something very different. In general, it's a tree. But right. in being specific, there's no two trees that are alike. Yeah, yeah. So the trick is they are now not trees because they're very different. They belong to the genus of trees, but they're all different. And so one of the things to do, we can play with a lot of things because, as I said to you before, food is the one element where all five of your senses are involved. How does it feel in your hand? before yeah. and after it's cooked. Yeah. 
right? How does it smell? What does it look like? What does it sound like when you're cooking it, squeezing it, chopping it, twisting it around? And then you think color. Is color what it looks like? And if you start asking yourself, what color do you like? Um, my friend Andrew, I'm always asking him, what colors do you like? And he'll give me a group of colors. And I tell him, find the colors in food. Mm. Find those colors and cook with those colors. You know, if you look at the orange, yellowish oranges, orangeness of turmeric, the red paprika. So you start playing with those things, and 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 those are the things that can enter you into flow. Well, because now when you observe the colors. Let's say that your wife or your girlfriend wears on a regular basis. You you can yeah. see that, right? So if you just pause yeah. and you see these things, yeah, you can say, how could I implement some of her favorite color into what I make? And and colors what's also interesting powerful. is ask her. Yeah, if that, you it, ask her, and right. then all of a sudden, you know, imagine you're sitting there, you ask her what her favorite colors are, or you know what they are, and you go out and you create a meal that has those colors, and then all of a sudden you're sitting across from her and you ask, "Did you notice anything special about the plate?" Yeah, yeah. And she might say yes, and she but may you not. hope, but you're hoping she says no. Yeah. So that you can say, based on what you told me about the colors you like, that's how I crafted this plate. And to take it a step further, it's not just what do you like, but why? How do you right. feel? Right. Right. What is right. it that what is it about that color that makes you feel that way? Right. Why is it that you're interested in that? Right. If she says you you if she says, I love purple, and you say, Why do you love purple? Because she says, I've always wanted to have sex with Prince. You don't put purple on that plate. <laughs> <laughs> There's no purple rain right there. Right. You know, you you brought up um the uh, turn turn things upside down concept, and and I've I've actually used that often over the years. If I'm crafting a piece of art, I'll look at it. I'll turn it upside down. In fact, I look back yeah. at some of the uh, the artwork that I enjoy the most that I created, and most of them were drawn upside down. In episode forty one of the Evolve podcast, we had Jason Hewlett on, and oh, yeah. Jason wrote an article. Uh, uh, a blog post about quote unquote cheating on his wife at target. And it became a viral sensation. And I've known Jason for 25 plus years. His article was phenomenal because it was this idea that we're talking about. He looked over, he was standing in line at target. He didn't realize that he went to target at the same time that his wife did. And he looked over and he said, I just, I, I, I kind of felt embarrassed and I kind of felt it shameful because I caught this image of beauty out of the corner of my eye. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that woman is gorgeous. And then as she turned, I realized it was my wife. And he said, I cheated on my wife with my wife because I had a different perception. I, I saw her yeah. with new eyes. Now yeah. guys, how many times have you done this where you just paused, you set everything aside, the arguments, the fights, the bickering, the, you know, who left the toilet seat up and uh, you know, who, who didn't mow the lawn or whatever it is. How many times have you just set that aside and said, what if I were looking at her for the first time, yeah. what can I see? turn it upside down. What are the layers, the nuances about her appearance? What is it about her mannerisms 
You know, like Danielle has this thing, and I observed it years ago when I first fell in love with her, with the way that her top lip curls, or that when she's holding certain things with her hands, the way that her hands flow, it's very elegant. In fact, I have this this photo that I took of her when we were first married where she was painting and she's holding the brush and there's something about the, the way that she held that brush. And I just thought, Oh, that, that to me, that's her. That is, it's a beautiful expression of this creative flowing, gorgeous woman that I fell in love with. And every once in a while, I'll just pause and I'll look at the curvature of her lip, or I will look at the angle of her hands when she picks something up. And I just, I, I absolutely love that. And so guys, what is it that you're currently missing? Is there a color? Is there a nuance? Is there something that she has said that you could pull into this mail? And so I think what Miles is talking about is an important point that before crafting a meal, take some time, flip the picture upside down, and start looking from a new perspective. Right. What is it about your wife or your girlfriend that you have forgotten? What is it about your wife or your girlfriend that you are blind to, even though they're right in front of you? Yep. And and again, the the other part of it is how do you reframe yourself? How yeah. do you look at yourself anew? You know, there might be subtle desires, hobbies little tiny things that you've possibly tamped down, neglected. And those little things are part of you. And when you start to grow them, you start to grow new leaves, new branches on yeah. yourself. Well, you know, and I, everybody has their strengths. You know, maybe right. you're a goofy person, but the goofiness might be the thing that she fell in love with. And so if right. you do it in a way that makes her laugh, that's endearing. Right. And so right. could you create a meal that's fun and maybe a little bit silly to create that enduring feeling? Right. Here's one. Here's one for you. Ask yourself. And I've done this and, and failed at it miserably because there's some things I need to clean up. But ask yourself. How would I taste to somebody biting me? Mm. I'm not sure how, how I feel about that one. How do I say <laughs> <laughs> How do I sound? I don't even know how I would ask that question to myself, but oh, you gotta figure that one out. How yeah, would I sound? That's, that's new. easy. Yeah, how yeah. would I sound when I'm talking to somebody? Yeah, you break it down all the senses, taste. Yeah, what are yeah, they yeah. hearing? Touch, right? Right, right. When I touch somebody, how are they responding to my touch? Yeah, yeah. Does it does my touch feel creepy? Does it feel inviting and warm? Is it sexual? Is it, you know, and because you remember people look at you and process their five senses while right. looking at you. Right, right. I think about that and that what a powerful uh, aspect of our intimacy all of these things are, but touch is an important one. I, when I was a little kid, we uh, I found a barber. My dad and I used to go to this barber and he was an old pro. I mean, he was a guy that he, I think when he passed away, he'd been doing barbering for over 50 years. And this guy was so good that when he would brush the hair away, it was the most uh, fluid feeling. And as he's cutting your hair and he just brushes it away and he would do, I, the man's hands were just like these works of art to make you feel like you were in the most relaxed state possible. And I, 
I don't know. I think I probably fell asleep in his chair a few times, <laughs> just nodding off because getting my hair cut by this guy who understood the power of not just creating a great haircut, but the power of the yeah. overall sensory experience. And what does it feel like to be a barber, to deliver this experience so that the other person feels amazing? Like I still to this day can think about Frank brushing his hand across my the back of my neck <laughs> to brush the hair away. I think, oh man, that was so calming. But the way we touch the food, the way we touch our, our spouse, our girlfriend, the way we touch everything in life can create this intimacy that pulls, that draws, that, as we talked about at the very beginning, creates layers of interest, creates layers of mystery. Because when you create layers of mystery and you create layers of interest, you, you leave the other person wanting more. And that's what the idea of seduction is all about. Great food seduces the senses so that they want more. Great touch, great taste, great smell, great sight, plating the food, all of these things, they create this idea that I want more. And I believe that that's foundational for, uh, for the intimacy. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Miles, people are getting ready to prep a meal for their spouse. They've spent some time. They are practicing it and they're dating themselves and they've made beautiful food for themselves and they're starting to become more aware of their girlfriend or their wife and they're saying hey this is something that you know i want to i want to create for my spouse i want to create for my girlfriend i want to create a great experience what else do they need to think about think about and i do this often I have a really small kitchen and I, sometimes I have fantasies of one day having a really large kitchen and not liking it because I miss the intimacy of my small kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've got things hanging on the wall, you know, all kinds of spatulas, knives and all the things, accessories, but I create it. It's I'm going to use this term that's oftentimes used in contemporary society. I create a safe cooking space. Mm. I'll have on some music. Most of the music that I have on when I'm cooking is meditational and yoga music, but occasionally I'll have jazz on. What are you, what are you using? You're using your phone, you're using a speaker, you got a- I have a, a Bluetooth speaker. Okay. I have a Bluetooth speaker and then I'll I do the same iPad. thing, but I use a turntable more often than not. I mean, okay, you know, we've that, got that turntable out there. Yeah. So I throw a record and, on. And for and our listeners, time. for our listeners, in terms of levels of intimacy, having a turntable is another level of intimacy if we yeah. were to create these levels. Because to go, I, when I remember going to the bodega in downtown Salt yeah. Lake, yeah, yeah. And, they, and they had the albums on the wall with the, and you know, you would pick out an album you would want and the bartender or the manager would come over and he or she or they would just pull out the album and there was a certain delicate way you had to handle the vinyl Right. Put it down, lift the needle. You couldn't just drop the needle on, so you had to be a little delicate with the needle when you put it on. So that's a whole nother level of intimacy. And right now, when Steve said that, I'm really fucking jealous. <laughs> uh, and there's even more depth to it. The the difference between records that are made today versus older LPs. Right. Um, I mean, it's there. There's you, you can't beat it. I mean, I've got right. I, I've been collecting uh, vinyl for. 35 plus years 
And I've got some, I've got some old things that I'll throw on and the grittiness of those are, it, it's so visceral. You feel it. Uh, most of the, the vinyl that comes out today was recorded digitally and then put onto the, the vinyl. See, and I there's just know a different sound. Yeah. It's a totally yeah. different sound. So the, you don't have this, the same depth. You don't have the same, it, it's still great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got, uh, I picked up, uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest recently, well, a couple years ago, I guess, their anthology, and it still sounds amazing, but it's a new press. And so it's not the same as, let's say, my uh, America Greatest Hits album, because right. the America has, or the old John Denver uh, live in concert uh, in Denver, right? <laughs> Colorado. Like, those things have got a throatiness to them. Uh, I was listening to Frank Sinatra the other day, and... Uh, uh, and the Tommy Dorsey band. And the, th these are old, like some of these were uh, vinyls that I picked up from my grandparents. Some of them I've just thrifted over the years, or I've been to uh, record collector stores. There's there, there was a great one here in Salt Lake city. They used to buy from there's so much depth and so much layer. And the reason I bring that up is that you made a great statement or a word, I guess, where you said that there's layers, there's levels of this. This is not a binary. We're not saying go make right. a meal for your wife, then go have sex. That's how you create intimacy. We're talking about how you layer in a sensory experience to create more intimacy in your relationship. And so you start with the basics, right? Start with the basic of, can I create a beautiful meal? And then after I do that, can I layer some of these other things in? And so at this point, because I've been creating a lot of meals for a long time, I can think to myself, oh, I think this vinyl would be great with this particular meal that I'm going to create with this particular lighting. And this is how I want the whole experience to go. And I plan it out in my mind. But when you start out, if you've never done this before, you've only done it a few times, you don't have a lot of practice. Don't get overwhelmed. Understand this is not a binary yes or a no. There are layers and there are levels, and you don't need to go to a five-course, a seven-course, a ten-course yeah. meal layer at the very beginning. Right. Start simple. So, Miles, they, our listeners have thought about what they're going to make. They've thought about their girlfriend. They've thought about their wife. And they've said, okay, they, here's some nuances that I could play with in here. Right. What's next? What's next, as I said earlier, you, you've created the space. You've created the space for cooking. Um, and this is how you actually become intimate with yourself. You create the prep. How you prep, um, as they say in French, mise en place, everything in its place. Mm. It makes it easier to reach. And lastly, is take this on with a sense of ritual. Right, create the this. This is your ritual. This is how you prep. This is where you put things. This is where you want. This is the knife you that, use. This is where right, you cut. The, this exactly. is where everything goes. Right. There's exactly a the knife you use. Um, I have several different types of knives. In the last couple of days, I've had these. I have these really colorful knives I, because I've been in a really playful mood, and so I'm using these colorful knives. But I also have knives that are more stern and more severe. And mm. sometimes I'll look, it's it's just, it, 
one of my metaphors, and I, Steve, I tell you this, I collect coffee mugs. Right. And every morning when I go make coffee, I literally stand in front of my mugs and ask the question, who am I feeling like today? And I've literally picked up a mug, walked over to where I'm making my coffee, stared at the mug and go, no, I'm not feeling this mug and come back and pick up another one, hold it in my hands and go, okay, yeah. this one feels tremendous. That's great. Yeah. You get the coffee today. It's, it's a way that I exercise choice consciously because what ultimately, inevitably what we're trying to do is to be highly aware and highly conscious of our existence, period. And we don't want to leave anything to chance. So when you're in the kitchen, you've created the ritual. What pan are you going to use? Again, what do you have to prep so that by the time one thing is done, the other thing is already done that you have to pour on if you're making a meal that has that? Okay, but, so let's and, let's give our let's give some specific things right now. Okay. That we're going to tell our listeners if you're not sure what to do, here's where we would start. And I think one of the easiest things that I learned recently from you that I have become obsessed with is this idea of reverse searing a steak. <laughs> this blew my mind. I have cooked for years, I have made so many different things. And when you taught me the concept of reverse here, I was blown away. So what I'd like to do is I want to walk our listeners through it. And I want you to correct me along the way if I'm missing something. And okay. then what we're going to promise to our listeners is that we are going to break down some of the things that you could do to add to it. But we're also going to give you some tips, tricks, and resources in the show notes. With where you so we're going to cook a meal. More information. So you can cook a meal. Yeah. We're going to talk about cooking a meal. Let's cook a meal. Okay. So here's Let's what Miles said to me. He said, you're going to be mind blown. This is how, when you go to a, a, a steakhouse, how they could charge you $100 or $200 for a steak. So let me tell you about one of the most recent experiences. Now, I went big on this one. I went out and got a tomahawk steak. Now, you could do <laughs> this with a T-bone. You could do it with whatever cut you want, but I would recommend you do it with something that's got some, some size to it, some thickness to it. So a get a T-bone, get a ribeye, get a sirloin, get, get something big. So I took the tomahawk and I brought it home and I set it out. And the reason you set it out is you want the, the steak to get to room temperature. While it's getting to room temperature, that's when you salt the meat. Now the salt helps to break down all of the fibers and it this is part of what's going to not only infuse flavor into the meat but it's also going to make the meat just melt in your mouth now when it's reached room temperature the salt will be soaking in but the meat will start to sweat when the meat is at room temperature and you've got this nice kind of crystallization and this sweat happening on the steak you know that it's ready to go and it's important what's important William, is is you 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 don't want a lean piece of meat. No, you want fat. You want fat. You want that what they call yeah. marbling. You want to look yep. at the marbling. You want fat. And that's a really important distinction. You you need it in order for it to be very very uh, melt in your mouth, right? right. Otherwise, you this this technique doesn't work as well. So, at that point, it's time to turn the oven on, and you put it on about two hundred degrees. Now, I've read that you could go 180 to 220, but 200 is, is, is standard. 
and you put it in there for about 40 minutes. Now, I've done this a little bit different recently where I'll take my charcoal grill and I'll put some smoking chips in there as well. And I'll get the charcoal grill up to 200 and I'll have some smoking chips in there. And then I take on an indirect heat and put the steaks out. Now, if you're doing this in your oven, this is the key. You have to have the steaks sitting on something that gets heat from below and from above. So for instance, we, I, I use, if I'm using my oven, I'll use like a cookie rack and put it on a pan so that the heat can go below and above the steak. If you have a convection oven, that's a totally different story, but you put it in and for about 40 minutes, you just let it cook on a very, very low heat. So if you're doing this in a charcoal grill like I am and you're smoking, you just let it sit out there for about 40 minutes. Now, once it's time to sear the steak, we're reverse searing, right? So this long, slow cook process essentially is tenderizing the meat, but you're still going to have this beautiful, especially if the, if you've got a thick cut, you're still going to be able to get a beautiful, rare, rare plus type steak, and it's going to be melt in your mouth. So the steak's done at about 40 minutes. You take it out, and at that point, you've already got your pan heated up. With your pan heated up, you start with some oil or with butter. Now, I did oil originally, and now I just do butter, where I start the butter, and I sear. And you can sear, depending on your elevation, anywhere from a minute to about a minute and a half. Uh, I've read as much as three minutes, depending on how thick your steak is. Yeah, but yeah. I find about a minute to a minute and a half where I'm located is is pretty good. And then it's not overcooked. Once one side is seared, you take rosemary and that rosemary, it's got to be fresh and you take it and you roll it in your hands and then you smell it and you toss that in with the butter (laughs) and you take garlic and you smash it and dice it up and you throw that in. Now you can also add one or two other things, but If you just do those two things, just the rosemary and garlic, you are going to be golden. Every once in a while, I'll throw shallots in there. I might throw some fresh parsley if we have that, but just that. And and, and then what's happening is now the butter is picking up the flavor. You've now flipped the steak. You've got spices. You've got the rosemary. You've got the garlic. And you have this beautiful flavor that's wafting through your kitchen. You take the pan and you tilt it a little bit. And you take a spoon, and you start spooning that butter that's been infused with these beautiful flavors onto your steak. And about a minute and a half later, maybe two, you pull it off, and you have this nice, crispy, seared steak. And you set it on a plate, or you set it on, typically I'll put it on a a wooden cutting board, And then I take a piece of tinfoil and I make a little tent and I put the tent over it to let the steak rest. Now, after the steak has rested for two or three minutes, now it's time to cut it up and plate. It is one of the most beautiful things you will ever experience. In fact, you might even start crying when you see it. And you may even start crying as soon as you take a bite because I can tell you the first time that I did this and I gave my wife a bite. 
her eyes rolled to the back of her head. Her mouth gaped wide open. She just, she didn't even say anything. She just moaned. It was, oh. The experience of creating this, the experience of sharing it, the experience of feeding her was one of the best, most intimate experiences we've ever had. I want to add something to that real fast. What did I miss? You're playing. No, you didn't miss anything. You didn't miss a thing. Everything is fine. I'm going to say while you're creating the tent, before you even tear the aluminum foil, take some florets of broccoli, take maybe three or four Brussels sprouts, mm. cut them in half, yep. and drop them in the residue. Yep. And the time that it takes her to turn the heat up, the time it takes for the steak to just cool just a little, the flavors of that what the residue from the steak get absorbed into the Brussels sprouts and the broccoli. And, and you then cohesiveness <clears throat> of flavor. Right. That's right. Which is then, which is part of what high-end restaurants understand and know that great artists know. Beautiful artwork has a cohesiveness to it. And once you cut that steak and you plate it and just take a, take a moment to think about how do I want to align the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts? It doesn't have to be a long thing. Just take a moment. Well, and let and, me, let me just say this. So if you don't know, cause here's one thing I found is people genuinely don't know. A lot of guys don't even know like what looks good. If you don't know, you need to go file, find miles, page on Instagram and just go look and copy what he does over time. You might find some nuance to this, but copy the look, just go say, okay, here's how I'm going to plate this steak. Here's how I'm going to plate this. I'm going to just copy what he does. If you don't know, use that phone that's in your pocket, use the technology to help you create the intimacy and help you create the, the moment that you're looking for. So that's a really common thing is guys will look at it. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So until you are in touch with that part of creating something beautiful, just go copy what somebody else does. That's a, all art in life is theft. If right. you look at all great artists, they just stole ideas from another person and then put their own twist on it. So if you're not sure where to go, go to Miles Page, copy something that he did. All right, Miles. Yep. So we've got the steak. We've got the broccoli. We've got the Brussels sprouts. Now, Honestly, we could probably leave it there. But if they wanted to add something else, what would you recommend? What would I recommend? So we've got a vegetable. We've got meat. How about playing with a small amount of mashed potatoes? All right. So walk us through how our evolved man would go through making the mashed potatoes. So what I do with mashed potatoes is, one, I cut the potatoes and I leave the skin on. I get a russet potato, I leave the skin on, or I get the um, small potatoes, I don't know what you call them, that are multicolored. Oh yeah, and yeah. I cut those in half. Purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. And I cut them and I cut those in half, or if it's just a russet, I cut it in maybe a quarter inch thick um, slices and I boil it. It doesn't take any time. To, and when you cut them that thin, the boiling time might be 10, 15 minutes. Now, this is probably something you should do before your steak. But as the steak is done, 
the potatoes are just getting really soft. Right. You add butter, garlic, and a little bit of heavy cream. And you will make the best whipped potatoes this side of the Mason Dixon. <laughs> but real garlic. Don't use oh, real garlic. powder. Yeah, don't go get garlic powder, garlic salt. Use no, no, real no. garlic. Real garlic. Put Mince your there. garlic. Mince your garlic. If you want, if your garlic hasn't burned in the residue of your steak, Put it in. take a spoon. Yeah. For, and yes, and that residue will yeah. also flavor your potatoes. Yeah, that same rosemary, the same, everything will flavor there. You've got everything. a beautiful yeah, co exactly. co cohesive and, consistency. Exactly. And get a great salt. Um, I, you, you, what kind of salt do you like? I'm, I'm a big fan of Redmond, which is a, uh, actually a local Utah, uh, company, but I also love Malden salt, which is a, yeah. uh, an English salt, it's a salt flake and, and Malden makes, uh, regular, uh, flavor. And then they also do a smoked salt that I, I love both of those. What, what type of salt are you using? Well, you know, as you said earlier, when I turned you on to the reverse searing, yeah, that was me paying you back for introducing me to the Malden salt when yeah, I was the Malden. in Utah years ago. Yeah, I remember when you cracked that box and I said that buttery full. Just this is not salt. This is something else. Yeah, I when I got turned on to Malden, I had read an article in the Wall Street Journal. I was like, "What in the world is this?" So I found it at a local store started making stuff with it. And I was geeking out. My kids were making uh, so much fun of me because I said, let's uh, taste this salt. Like it enhances the flavor. It doesn't make things taste salty. It just enhances what right, flavor. Exactly. Exactly. So they're making fun of me. Well, one day Johnny at the time loved making popcorn. And so he'd pull out the air fryer. He'd, he'd uh, uh, you know, pop the popcorn and he's looking around and he just, he kind of got this look on his face where he's a little bit uh, smirking and he takes the salt and he just starts drizzling it on there. And he'd poured the butter on the popcorn and he puts the, the salt on. He takes a bite. He goes, oh my gosh. <laughs> and Carly <laughs> looks at him and says, what? He goes, Alden salt popcorn <laughs> is the best popcorn. Dad was right. <laughs> just enhances it try this and so now the kids are geeking out about it in this moment after they've made fun of me for uh for, for geeking out about the malden salt so malden's a great one uh redmond is another one that i really enjoy are there others that you use um you actually recently turned me on to um i believe it's black lava sea salt oh yeah yeah we found yeah, a bunch I really of that like in that. Uh, hawaii and then i have a um i picked up on amazon a sampler uh, the sampler, it's, it's 12 different salts of all varying type. There's a chipotle lime salt. Mm. Um, um, there's a paprika harissa salt. So I, I've been playing with the flavored salts. So I'm yeah. all over the place. I'm all over it's the place. It's fun. It I, we, picked up, uh, we picked up about a half a dozen little bags of salt at a place on the side of the road in Hawaii last year. Oh, and yeah. there was one of them that was a Merlot salt. And so... Yeah. When I was cooking with that, um, I went out and bought a Merlot wine and cooked with it as well. And the flavor was just unbelievable. So I would encourage our listeners to just, as you get into this more, start playing with flavor, start playing with things that you could do to make this experience better. So we've got some vegetables, we got the steak, we got some potato, and maybe this is for you. Maybe it's not. If it's not, find something else. But listen to the overall message that you need to as an evolved man 
create something that is a beautiful, sensual, and sensory experience for your girlfriend or for your wife. As an evolved man, it's up to you to set the stage. And it doesn't need to be the cheesy candlelight dinner. It could just be something really simple. What we just talked about is a simple thing that elevates everything. My wife and I have had this beautiful reverse seared steak sitting on our back patio. We've had this beautiful reverse seared steak sitting on the couch watching a movie that we liked. We had this in, a, in the kitchen. Like, it's if it doesn't all get eaten the night before, we put it with the eggs in the morning. It just creates conversation and it creates an experience. Now, if you want to take it up a notch, here's what I would recommend you do. Make sure that you've got some practice doing all of this and bring in the visual. Bring in the dinner and a show concept. Have your wife come in, pour her her favorite beverage, and just tell her that you want to listen to her day and you want to listen to what she thinks about certain topics and ask her questions. And have a conversation while you make the food. And as she has this inclination to say, can I help or can I do this or whatever? No, I got this. I just want to take care of you. I guarantee at that moment, you are making a massive deposit into the emotional bank account of your girlfriend or your wife. It will take the level of intimacy to a new level because you are not only serving the sensor, or excuse me, the uh, the taste receptors at the end of this, but you are serving the deep emotional need that all people, women especially, need in order to, uh, to feel heard and understood. Now, guys, maybe for some of you, you're listening to this and say, yeah, I do this. But my experience is most guys don't. And my challenge to you is, Get up and stop being fat, numb, and dumb and start doing this. Because you know what science has shown us is that people who prepare their own food actually lose more body fat than those that don't. People who prepare their own food get stronger, have a lower body fat percentage overall, and it's nothing magical. There's nothing scientifically, like, we're not giving you this crazy secret of, like, prepare your food and the calories in this food are different than the calories in the other food. What it does is it just creates a sense of ownership. You tend to eat a little bit less. You tend to enjoy it and savor it more. And when you have more savoring and more satiety, you will eat less and you won't feel like you have to just continually numb with a bunch of stuff that's not really food. So if you want to be stronger, leaner, more fit, more intimately connected with your wife or your girlfriend, start to cook food, real food and not food products. And I guarantee that your life is going to evolve in extreme ways. And also, and I know this is a time thing, but get your asses to a farmer's market. And even if you don't buy anything, walk go around look. the market. Yeah, Just go, go look. look. Go look. I guarantee yeah. you something will jump all over you. But go look. Go look at the produce. Look at the, the root vegetables and just see, well, you know, pick up something and smell it. 
ask questions because what inevitably we're trying to do is to create a lifestyle. Yeah. And you know, oftentimes in farmer's markets, they have things out to taste. So go out and taste it. Like I said, pick some things up, smell, look, watch, ask questions. And you'd be surprised of who you can meet at farmer's markets just by asking questions about particular foods that you don't recognize or that you don't understand. And for God's sakes, the, the, the end part of lifestyle, style, have some style. There's a style to making food. There's a style to living life that is attractive, that is comforting, that is seductive, that not seductive in just that, hey, we're always trying to get the wife and the girlfriend between the sheets, but seductive to the point where people want to be around you. People want to uh, experience what it's like to be in your presence when you have great style, when you have this lifestyle of being the evolved man. You make people feel more comfortable. You become a more attractive human when you do all of this stuff. So I can't challenge you enough to go out there and make this your next challenge. Well, Miles, what a great conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, we're going to get tons of guys calling us up, hitting us on Instagram. How do you do that? Yeah. What do we do here? And we are open to it. We are open to it. I am wmiles.riley at Instagram. Get in touch. Because our, it's about sharing and elevating. All of our DMs are open. We want to yep. help you get there. If you are not sure what to do, shoot us a message. I mean, hell, we'll even jump on a call with you. We'll FaceTime while you're cooking. We'll walk you through it. <laughs> Guys, we want you to become involved. We want you to do this stuff because we want. I, I want you to have a sense of pride that comes from knowing you can make a great meal. I want you to be lean and strong and fit. I want you to bring back that, I, that Greek god ideal of that you are this man that can have it all. You can be lean, you can be fit, you can be strong, you can have a great intimate relationship, you can read books, you can be tough, and you can be a gentle man. You can have it all. Now, it takes time to get there. And like we say, you've got to create some sort of disruption in order to do it. And so we hope that today woke you up to an idea that you will go out and try and you will play with and you will be vulnerable to so that you can expand your overall game and your overall repertoire. And we'd also love to hear how it goes. What worked? What didn't work? What are you working on? We want to know. So reach out, stay in touch with us. And on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the evolved man. Miles, thanks again for uh, coming on. And chat yeah, was fun. This. This sounds like uh, most of our regular conversations that we have. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is the phone call on a weekly basis and sometimes several times a week that Miles and I have with each other. So uh, glad you could come on and we could share this with our great listeners. And hey, guys, uh, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Evolved Man. 
If you're learning from and gaining value from this podcast, please subscribe to the Evolved Man newsletter where I can support you even more in your evolution. I want to help you reverse engineer your success. The Evolved Man newsletter is like getting a free coaching session with me every week to keep you moving forward on your path to personal success. Go to theevolvedmanpodcast.com to sign up today. If you found value in this episode, you can give us up to a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and share it with your network. That's the best way to support the podcast so we can continue to get on great guests and provide you this amazing free content. Until next time, keep evolving.